How you doing? Good. Everybody all right? Good. Is it too early to be excited? I'm sorry. Listen, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Anybody need some strength? Well, guess what the key is? Rejoice in God. God is good. Get excited about God in your life. Get excited about the plans and purposes that God has in your life. Well, maybe this is your first time. You're just checking Jesus out. You're checking. Uh, you, you've been invited. Somebody said, yeah, you got to come out to this great church. By the way, they weren't lying to you on that. Um, but we're so glad that you're here. And today we have the privilege to simply consider some truth directly from God's word. Is that all right? How many of us are in for some truth, right? Truth is good. Truth sets you free. Truth shows us the path, right? I love the way the Bible says that his word is a lamp unto our feet. And so check this out. You need to see where you're going, facing some decisions in life, thinking some things through. What well, we need to hear from God's word, amen? And so today we are starting on... Uh, uh, we're picking up where we left off over the last several weeks. We've been on a series entitled, Walk This Way. Walk This Way. And we've been looking at the book, uh, 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 the letter written by a man named James. James. And James uh, is just like you and I. At one point, James did not have any understanding about God. You know what's interesting about James is that James was related to Jesus. He was, James, was Jesus' younger brother. And this guy, James, at one point, the scriptures give us example that he did not believe that Jesus was Lord. He, as a matter of fact, the scriptures give us example that he and his brothers chided his brother. They would ride him a little. Come on, JJ, do something cool. And he'd say, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. But life changed for him after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, not only did he believe but James began to do some things that produced great results and were the cause for immense growth in his life to such an extent that James went on to become the first pastor, the first leader of the known church in Jerusalem. James began to equip people, to teach people, to build people. And at the writing of this particular letter inspired by God, placed upon his heart, not just to the people spread out, throughout Jerusalem and Palestine and all these other areas because of persecution. At the time of the writing of this letter, James is encouraging the people and pointing them back to some simple truths. It's almost as if he's saying, guys, 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 don't go that way. Come this way. Walk this way. Follow this way. Let's go back to some simple truths. And so today we're going to be picking up in James chapter 2 in the second half, starting at verse 14. And we're only going to look at verses 14 through 17. If you want to look at the rest of it, you can. Because 14, verses 14 through 17 in James chapter 2 really encapsulize the heart of what James is talking about. And so turn with me in your Bible, if you would, to James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. And it starts off by saying this. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters? Watch what he's saying. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? Think about what he's saying. He says, can such faith save them? You know that word save there in the original language is very important because that word save speaks of the quality of life that we've received in Jesus Christ. It's the Greek word sozo. 
That word there speaks of uh, uh, fullness. It speaks of blessing. It speaks of peace. It speaks of covering. It speaks of provision from God. And so listen to what James is saying here. Listen to what God has placed upon his heart. And God is speaking to you and I today. I'm going to read it again, starting at verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith bless him? Can such faith produce the life of God in his life? Can such faith produce ultimate peace, the peace provided by God that surpasses all your understanding, that guards your heart? Can that person who has faith, but no deeds, experience what they were intended to receive from God. It's a mouthful there. Verse 15, he says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Whoa. I want you to consider what James is saying here. Maybe you've heard it said, don't just talk the talk. Say it with me. Walk the walk. You've heard it. We've all heard that. This is exactly what God is saying to his people unto this very day. Walk the walk. Walk this walk. Listen, I don't want anyone to leave here today hearing this from a negative standpoint. I don't want you to leave here beating yourself up. But ladies and gentlemen, as some of you who have been here for a while have heard me say, if the shoe fits, don't wear it. Change it. Change it. It's time for a turnaround. It's time to go this way instead of that way. It's time to begin to make some decisions based upon maturity and love for God. See, when the talk doesn't match the walk, something is wrong. Something is wrong. When the talk doesn't match the walk, something is wrong. Think of it this way. If someone who supposedly cares for you, who loves you, who's always saying that they're going to be there for you. You can count on me. You can take that to the bank. But every time you try to cash that account in, they don't. What does it tell you? Something's wrong. If your child, certainly no parent here has ever gone through this. Your child tells you, I'm doing great in school. You ask him every day, how are you doing in school? Good. Things are good. Did your homework? Yep. And then all of a sudden you get a quarterly report. Or you get a call from a counselor and they tell you otherwise. How many of you know something is wrong? There's a disconnect, right? If someone leads you to believe that they can be trusted, but everything you've shared with them in confidence is known by others somehow. How many of you know something is wrong? See, in the same manner, if what we believe and accept as the truth from God's word doesn't match what we do with it, something is wrong. Say this with me. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking you to agree with that and say something's wrong in your life. But if it does apply, then I want you to see the truth in it. 
Something's wrong. And you're in a perfect place right now. Because you can begin to do what's right. You can begin to turn in a different direction. Thank God you're here. Go ahead and tell somebody, thank God I'm here. Go ahead and tell somebody else, thank God you're here. Oh, see, now some of you are taking it to another level. You're pointing at somebody. You need to stop that. That's not what we're talking about here. The point that James is making here is not that our actions are the source for our faith in God. I'm going to say that again. James is not saying here that our actions are the source of our faith in God. I am not talking about you working to get something from God, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not talking about you behaving so that God can somehow bless you. The Bible says that you've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Scripture says that, right? God says that, not me. And so I'm not talking about us working to get right with God. You've been declared righteous in Christ. That's what the scriptures declare. But what we got to consider is this, that this faith is more than just pie in the sky, ladies and gentlemen. This faith is more than just simply claiming the title of believers. Hey, can I give you a quick news flash? You know what's interesting about believers? They believe. They believe. And because they believe, their actions match what they believe. Their actions match what they believe. And so, what we see here is that James is making, the the point that James is making here is not that our actions are the source of our faith in God. What he's saying is that our actions are a proof of that which we believe about God. That makes sense? They're a proof of what we believe about God. And so what he's also saying here is this, that, that without accompanying action, It's not faith at all. Think about this. See, the scriptures don't tell us exactly uh, what what was the issue going on. But what we do know is this, that the people, the the Jewish believers of the the day, the people who had come to know Christ, um, there was a lot of... uh, 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 contention among them. There There was a lot of differences amongst them. And to make it worse, they were dispersed. So not only were they far and wide all around, but there was conflict. By the way, newsflash, tell your neighbor, don't miss next week. week. Now, mind you, you told them, now tell them, I'm not going to miss next week. (laughs) All right, some of you didn't say that. Thank you for telling the truth. (laughs) Right? I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. James is addressing various issues. And one of the things that he's addressing here, he's saying, hey, guys, Your faith and what you're doing isn't matching. And he's addressing this. He's addressing it. It's theorized that for some of them, you know, they had, you can get so grace-minded that you do nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Just just be honest. Yes, we are saved by grace. And no, we are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. For good works. Scripture says that. Right? And so... Our faith and our actions have to match. And so while we don't know exactly what was the case among them, what we do see is that there are a few things that could have been happening. Things that even today still happen that lead to an action. Here's just some things to think about that potentially lead to an action. The search for good information. Tell you what I'm talking about. 
You seek to know about God instead of knowing God. We congregate and we talk about the blessing of God, the goodness of God, the righteousness of God, the healing of God, all the provision of God. But the focus is inward. It's not outward. There's no action associated to it. That makes sense. Some other things that we that could potentially lead to inaction, dependence upon the faith of others. Here's what that sounds like. You pray, could you pray for me? Could you do this for me? Could could the pastor tell me how to do this? Could this person tell me how to do it? Can this person lead me to do it? Right? That's based on the belief of another. That's a secondhand relationship. That doesn't work, ladies and gentlemen. Right? Something else to consider that could lead to an action. We're living, on, we're living life on an island called Someday Isle. You ever been on that island? You ever visit that island? Someday I'll get there with my faith. Someday I'll grow in faith. Someday I'll try living by faith. Problem is you'll never get there with that attitude. That island stinks. You don't want a vacation there. Don't book a ticket to go there. So I want you to see some things about your faith. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified here. It says this, For the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault. And violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. This is Jesus speaking here. And Jesus is talking about, he's commending this guy, John, who came before him, his cousin, who was declaring that there was a new kingdom. And what Jesus is alluding to here is how people were responding. People had never heard that God wanted to be their father. That's not like Star Wars. Luke, I am your father. That's not what we're talking about. It was personal. That was a lot funnier in my head than... It was here. But anyway, getting back to the text. Behave, Pastor. Sorry. Um, let me get back. Let me get back. So so he's he's alluding to this, he's commending Luke, and people are res- uh, Luke. He's Luke of all people. He's commending John. <laughs> I got on in the Star Wars mode, sorry. He's commending John before all these people, and he's saying, Look. This kingdom that he's been announcing, the way that people have been responding to it has been with a heart that's so active that it's the equivalent of someone who's just violent, intent upon seizing it, no matter who or what gets in the way. I want you to think about this. That's what faith looks like. God's word says it. I believe it. I've already received it. And you know what? I'm going for it. I'm going for it. God, your word says that you're for me and not against me. Your word says that with you I can do all things. Your word says that you've blessed me. Your word says that you lead me in victory. Father, I trust your word and I'm taking a step forward. If you keep waiting for someday I'll, you'll never get there. So the life of faith is not a call to passivity, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. It's not a call to passivity. It's a life of action because what God has provided is precious and worth taking a hold of. 
Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read just the first half of it. It says, So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, watch this, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it. Bring it to full effect. Actively pursue spiritual maturity. Hey, you want a key to faith? You know what the goal of faith is? To grow up. To grow up. I get it. You don't understand what I'm going through. It's so hard right now. It's such a difficult time. I get it. I'm not making fun of it. I'm not making light of your situation. I get it. Listen, but at some point, we have to begin to take steps of faith. I love the synergy that exists between these words here. God says, work out your own salvation. You work it out. Stop asking God to work it out of you. It's our job to work it out. He already deposited it within us. But it's our role, our responsibility to begin to act in faith. A friend of mine recently said something. I saw it on social media. I guess he was preaching somewhere and he made this statement. He says, you know, uh, people are not reading the Bible today, but they do read the life of believers. Think about this. Here we are talking about have faith in God. But are we acting in faith? Are we taking steps of faith? Are you, are you believing that God is the one that does exceedingly, accordingly, uh, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what you could ask or think according to the work that he's already done in you? That work. Can I, can I just say something? Because somebody here needs to hear it. Go for it. Go for it. Get going. Get going. Stop with the excuses. Stop why you can't. Stop waiting. Go for it. Go for it. Wherever God's leading you, go for it. Believe in God. Go for it. It's time to take steps, ladies and gentlemen. This is what maturity is about. I guarantee you, any of you that are parents, if you had a baby and you said, come on, come on, and that child refused to walk, you would be concerned. What makes us think that there's anything right with us not wanting to walk by faith? Well, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So your faith has to be worked out of you, not kept within it has to be worked out of you, not kept within. And your faith is powerful. And so I want us to look at some scriptures here just for encouragement. First John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. How many people? Did it say some? It says everyone born of God. Everyone born of God. If you are a child of God, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and say, hey, if you haven't, here's the good news. There's still victory available. It's, it's present for all of us. That's God's will for all. His desire is that we would all overcome in life. And the proof of it is the faith that's ours. He says, for everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Your victory is your faith because your faith in God always ends in victory. Always. always ends in victory. You ever hear the one about the boxer 
who could never lose a fight. This guy can never lose a fight. He just never lost. This guy's in his 70s. He's still fighting. He's knocking people out. And they're like, one day a reporter comes up to him and says to him, Sir, I I need to ask you something, champ. Why do you keep fighting? You've already beat everyone there is to beat. Why don't you give up? And he says, well, what you don't understand is that when I go home after every fight, there's a wife who's expecting the winning purse. See, she's expecting the reward. And so he keeps fighting. Let me tell you how that correlates to our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, what could your life look like if you actually believed that by your faith and your faith alone, you would overcome every time? Guess what? You keep going. You keep growing. You keep trusting. You keep sharing your faith. You keep acting according to faith. See, you got to believe it. You can enjoy victory in your career. You can enjoy victory in your marriage. You can enjoy victory in your friendships. You can enjoy victory in your finances. You can enjoy victory in your emotions. You can enjoy victory in your thought life. You can enjoy victory in your personal, persistent, continuous relationship with God. You can continue to grow by faith. By faith. By faith. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. A gift is very telling of of the giver. God is giving you a gift. It's called salvation. But watch this. Read this scripture in, in, in its completeness. Watch what it also says. That the faith that you have to receive that gift is also a gift unto you. He gave you his grace but he gave you the means by which to receive it. It's called faith. Don't believe me? Romans 12, 3, real quick. For by grace, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So who's the distributor of faith? So God has graced us. He's blessed us. He's given us a gift. He's given us his grace, his mercy, his goodness, his forgiveness, his healing, his provision, his blessing, all that. But he's also given us the very faith by which we receive it. Think about this. If God has positioned you and given you the ability to walk in all the fullness of what he's provided and he's given you the faith to do it, isn't it worth using? Man. Don't tell me God is the author and finisher of your problems. No, God is the author and finisher of your faith because he's given it to you. He's giving you the ability to overcome. And so as we're wrapping up here in the next couple of minutes that we have, I want to encourage uh, you with a couple of thoughts about taking steps of action according to your faith. Taking steps. And so the first thing I want to encourage you with is that faith works when we work in the kingdom's system. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? You know, when Jesus first started his ministry, he came preaching a new kingdom. New kingdom. Here's the thing that you need to understand about a new kingdom. When a new kingdom shows up, the old one has to go. The system by which that kingdom, it ceases. You don't believe me? Look at the story of Daniel. I don't have time to get into that. 
these people, the Babylonians came in, they took over the people of Israel, they took over everything, and guess what they did? They changed his name, they changed their language, they changed what they studied, they changed everything. And so get this picture, Jesus arrives, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, so you can turn there if you want, right? He starts his ministry and he's preaching a new kingdom, a new kingdom. And what we're going to see in the, in, the, in the ensuing verses is that we find Jesus by a lake and he's teaching about the kingdom of God. And the crowds have gathered to such a great measure that he decides, you know what, I just need to, I need some space. So he looks to this guy named Peter. He goes, uh, Simon at the time, right, until after he gave him a new name. He says to him, hey, uh, I'm going to get in your boat and take me out a little bit deeper. It's gone into the deep. And so Simon does that and goes out there and Jesus is teaching and all that. And it's obvious that this guy, Simon, who we also know as Peter, was listening to what Jesus had to say. And Jesus teaches Simon a lesson about faith. Let's look at Luke 5, verses 4 through 7. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I pray that your ears are open and that you will see the truth of the power of walking by faith because faith is the, is, is the means by which the kingdom of God works, ladies and gentlemen. It's the means by which we receive and operate in all that God's promises declare. And so he says to him, put out into the deep water and let down the nest for a catch. And Simon answers, Master, we've worked hard all night. We've been toiling all night. You see, Jesus, we we do this. We're fishermen. And according to our expertise and what fishermen do, we've been there. We've done that. As a matter of fact, we can tell by the tide, the wind, the sky. We can, there's no fish there. But he says, but nevertheless, he says, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They caught so much fish according to this new system that he goes, hey, guys, bring your boat. Come on over here. Get your boat. The Bible says that they caught so many fish that as they were dragging them, trying to get them to... Watch, they're dragging them. How do you drag fish in, 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 in water? I believe that those fish, there were so many fish there that it was possibly even touching the bottom. The Bible says that their boats were to the point that they were sinking. I want you to begin to see something that God wants you to break out of the very nets that keep you in bondage and in slavery to a mindset that says, I can't. You weren't created for nets, ladies and gentlemen. You were created for freedom in Christ. And the means by which you overcome according to what God says is faith. It's your victory. It's your victory. I'll tell you something else about faith. You have to sow in faith to reap in, by faith. Oh, here we go. We're going to take another offering. That is not what I'm talking about. I guarantee you, we're not that church. That's not how we roll. We don't manipulate people. Guarantee you that. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4 says this. It says, sluggards do not plow in season. 
And so at harvest time, they look but find nothing. You know, some of you know, you've been here for a while, that uh, my, my, my son's fiance, they get married uh, in the fall, and we gotta, we're, we're, gonna, we're inheriting a farmer into the family. You know, I was thinking about this. Farming is a complete act of faith. Complete act of faith. Think about this. You take some seeds, right? You dig a hole, you throw them in, you put some water. You can't see them. You don't know exactly what's going on. I mean, if you're like me, you know, I, I was that kid that when we were in science class in first grade and they gave you the little cup and you put the seed in and all that, I was the kid that took it out every day. Because I wanted to see what was happening and that's why I failed science, right? But my point is this, listen, farming is a complete act of faith. You take a seed, you put it in the ground where you can't see it, you water it and you trust that that seed has the ability to grow roots and produce a harvest, I want you to notice something about Proverbs chapter 20. If we could just put that back up in verse 4. It says that sluggards do not plow in season. Watch the disconnect here. This person does no plowing. It's called a sluggard. You know what that word sluggard means? It means a lazy person. But watch what this person's lazy about. It says that the sluggard does not plow in season. And at harvest time, he looks... What is he looking for? I want you to get the principle here. If we are not taking steps of faith, how can we expect for the word of God to produce what it says? Listen, there's freedom in what you're hearing this morning. It's time to begin to take steps of faith. The Bible says that we walk by faith. Not by sight. Not by our excuses. Not by religion. No, it's by trusting in in a God that we can't see and believing that he can do what we don't know how it's going to work. That's the God we serve. You know, small steps of faith lead to big results. So think about this. Small steps of faith lead to big results. You might say, well, I'm, you're a pastor. Of course it works for you. Don't let that fool you. Each and every one of us has to walk this out individually. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't judge your faith based upon what you see in another person. Let me prove that to you from Scripture. When you do that, you know what happens when we do that? When we look to somebody else and we go, man, I wish I had their faith. You know what we're doing? We're feeling small. And we're minimizing the very faith of God that has been given unto each and every one of us. Been deposited into us to the fullness. This is exactly how the disciples felt as Jesus was teaching them at one time. The Bible says that Jesus is teaching and in Luke 17 verses 5 and 6, watch what the apostles say to Jesus. They say, increase our faith. Increase our faith. You know what they're saying? Jesus I want to have faith like you. I want to do what you do. I want to do all that cool stuff. I want to be just like you wherever I go. And so they say, increase our faith. Give us more faith is what they're saying. And watch Jesus' reply. He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. 
and it will obey you. Listen, these disciples were so impressed with the faith of Jesus in operation that they said, give us some of that faith. See, my faith isn't like yours, Jesus. And Jesus teaches us all something here. See, it's not the size of your faith that makes a difference. It's the use of it that makes a difference. Oh, but you know what, preacher? You don't understand, man. I can only believe for small things. Well, then start there. Because last time I checked, the journey of a thousand, smi- of a thousand smiles and miles, right? The journey of a thousand miles, it starts what? One step at a time. One step. One step. Start taking steps of faith. Listen, the Bible says a lot about life. It talks to us about our relationships. It talks to us about our own personal view of ourselves. It talks to us about marriage. It talks to us about relating to people in this world. It talks to us about how to overcome difficulties. It talks to us about communication. There is not a subject that the scriptures don't speak about. It covers it all. All. But here's the thing. Why not begin to look to God's word and trust what it says and act upon it? Oh, but they're not, they're not forgiving me. They're not acting the way that I would want them to act. Well, you keep doing what the word says. Because when you do the word, you get the word. When you act according to the word, you see a produce, a harvest of God's promises. It will come to pass. Teach you something else about faith. That when your faith is challenged, let me encourage you to run towards the challenge. A couple of weeks back, we were looking at James chapter 1. And we were examining the words of James that God inspired upon his heart to speak to us, his people. I don't have too much time to get into this, but I'll read it to you as we're wrapping up here. He says, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, Consider it pure joy. You know what he's saying? He's saying celebrate. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How about them apples? (laughs) Celebrate. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your what? Faith. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. Listen, the challenges of life don't just challenge us. Let's be real. They challenge our faith. They challenge what we believe to be the truth. They challenge our trust in God. And what we do at those moments either can be an opportunity to grow or not to. Reminds me of a story I once read. It's an analogy, really. It's about a little boy who was playing outdoors and he found this fascinating bug. He was fascinated by it. So he picks it up as boys do. Girls go, ew, boys go, cool. He picks up this thing and he runs to mom and says, mom, mom, look, look, I found a bug. She goes, son, that's a caterpillar. 
He says, Mom, can I keep it? She says, you can keep it if you take good care of it. So she tells him how. So he goes and he gets a large jar, a mason jar from his mother's cabin, uh, you know, uh, cutlery, cabin tree, whatever you want to call that. And he puts a plant to eat and a stick in it for this caterpillar to climb in the jar. And every day he, he would sit and he would watch the caterpillar. And every day he would bring in new plants. And one day the caterpillar climbed up the stick and started acting real strange. The boy was worried and he calls his mother and he says, Mom, 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 something's happening. What's wrong? And she says, Oh, son, he's just creating a cocoon. And she explains to her son that this caterpillar is now going through a process called metamorphosis to become a butterfly. So the boy gets all excited. He's thrilled to hear about the changes that his caterpillar is going to go through. And so he watches every day waiting for this butterfly to emerge. And one day, something happened. A small hole begins to appear in the cocoon. And the butterfly is struggling to come out of this cocoon. And at first the boy's excited, but then he soon becomes concerned. See, the butterfly was struggling so hard to get out. It looked like it could not break free. It looked desperate to him. It looked like it was making no progress. So the boy, full of compassion and concern, decides to help. He grabs a scissor and he opens the hole just a little bit more. He snips the cocoon to make the hole bigger. And as a result, the butterfly quickly emerged. As the butterfly comes out, this boy is surprised. It didn't look like the pictures that his mom had shown him. See, it had a swollen body and small shriveled wings. So he continues to watch this butterfly expecting that at any moment the wings are going to dry out and enlarge and expand to support this swollen body. He knew that the time the he knew that in time the body would shrink and this butterfly's wings would expand. But neither happened. The butterfly went on to spend the rest of its life crawling around with a swollen body and shriveled wings. It was never able to fly. Can I encourage you this morning that instead of running from the challenges to your faith, instead of running from the things that bring about doubt, to fight through, to stand firm. You know, the scriptures declare that we are to fight the good fight of faith. I sad to say this, but I was that kid growing up that fighting was something I knew very well. I was very good at it at one point in my life. Not that it was a good thing. But you know what a good fight is? A good fight is one that you can't lose. I want you to think about what the word says about faith. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the fight that you can't lose. Fight the fight that there's a guarantee every single time that you win. Stand by faith. Walk by faith. Speak by faith. Think according to faith. Renew your mind. Renew the path you're on. Turn around. Walk this other way. Don't walk that way anymore. Trust God and believe. And press through. Because as you continue in faith, ladies and gentlemen, 
the very thing that you're avoiding, those hard times where you might struggle and question, it's those hard times that as you continue to press through them, not stay there, and not make excuses for yourself, but press through them, those things become easier. And watch this. It's because you grow stronger. 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 Last thing I want to leave you with here is simply this, that strong faith originates in moments experienced in God's word. Strong faith originates in moments experienced in God's words. This Bible that you read is not a book. It is an invitation to experience life with God. It is truth. It enlightens a path before us. It opens our eyes to see life, to see God, to see the experience of faith and trust in God, and to see ourselves in a completely different way, ladies and gentlemen. It's an invitation to walk with God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, Consequently, faith, strong faith, victorious faith, mountain-moving faith. That faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Hey, I want to encourage you to do something with me. Let's stand. But as you rise up today, I want you to rise up with a different set of eyes. I want you to rise up and realize that God has given you all the faith that you need to win in life. God has given you everything that you require for life and godliness. You can be bold. You can stand strong. You can overcome. You're not down. You're not out. You're not set back. You're set up to win, to overcome because God loves you because he paid too high a price. He's brought you too far to fail now. And maybe this is all new to you. Maybe you've never seen God in this way. Maybe you're saying, well, I don't know, preacher. Can I say something to you? You're right where you need to be. Because faith has nothing to know with what we know. Faith has everything with wanting to know a God that we can't see. But that invites us to experience a life that we can trust to overcome in. If you've never seen God this way in today's, you feel something different. You're going, you know what, I'm, I got to get my act together. I got to change some things around. God isn't asking you for any of that. God is asking you simply for this. Just trust me. Let me take you. Let me show you greater things. Let me lead you down paths of peace. Let me show you what true life is about. Let me show you what your marriage can look like. What your relationship with your children can look like. Let me show you what peace looks like. Let me show you what, it, what it's like to live without anger, without fear, without worry. Let me show you what it is to depend upon me and watch me be faithful in your life. Hey, if you believe that God loves you today and you're saying, you know what, that's the God that I want. 
Not the religion that I've heard about. Not all the steps that I've been told they got to jump through in order to be right with God. If you believe that God loves you today and you believe that God has equipped you and given you the very tool by which you can receive his blessing, his love, faith. Then I want to encourage you today to put your faith and your trust in this. That God loves you and I so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die, to become like us, to assume our guilt, and to pay the price for it, to die for it. And here's what we get in return, freedom. Here's what we get in return, eternal forgiveness. Here's what we get in return, God's complete faithfulness, even when we are unfaithful. That's a good God. And so we want to join you today. If you believe that in your heart, then we'll pray this with you. Let's join in together. Let's say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid a price for me. And today I accept that price paid on my behalf. I declare you're my Lord, my Savior and God. And today I take hold of freedom. Today I take hold of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we celebrate what God is doing in your life with you. Don't leave here without telling us what God has done in your life. Now, Father, today we leave here in complete trust. Trust in you. Faith in you. And Lord, as a result of it, I thank you that today your people are strengthened in the inner man that they overcome in life, that they experience success. Lord, that they learn what it is to experience life with you. We bless you, we praise you, and we thank you for that this day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.